0: Good morning to you, Tucson, and all of southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030, KVOI The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. And I am your host, Zach Yenser. Happy, as we call it around here, Boletai Friday to you, Matt, and to all of our listeners. We made it through another week. It is Bolitai Friday, Matt. How are you?
1: All right, uh, ready for a nice sunny, warm weekend, and uh, happy Bolitai Friday to you too.
0: As you said, um, sun and more sun. <laughs> it's, really wanted to drive that point home. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I heard your subtle chuckle as you as you read "sun and more sun," which is basically the slogan of living in Arizona <laughs> <laughs>
1: from now, from now until uh, you know monsoon starts. <laughs>
0: Right. Oh man, it's been a good week. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening, uh, and again to uh, our guest host Ben Bueller Garcia on Tuesday, who hosted a great conversation about housing issues with both the private and public sector live in studio. You can check that out on the podcast. Uh, today is uh, the kind of show I often like to end the week on, a kind of a wrap up show. a a discussion on the news the topics the issues that we either didn't get to cover cover or didn't get to cover enough uh, on the program that's how we'll end the show and it's a live line show 520-790-2040 give me a call in uh, about anything and everything certainly about what we're going to talk about today but anything that's on your mind would love to hear uh, from you for sure Uh, And that's the number that our guest at the end of the hour is going to use to call in. He is Akeel Hamid of Sustainable Strength Systems. We're going to do uh, the last update of my 90-day journey, I guess you could say, through his Sustainable Strength System. And we're going to talk about uh, what that has done for me and and if it is relevant to you. Uh, Hopefully, you'll take him up on the opportunity for him to be your coach through a process that has been... You know, honestly, pretty transformative. But in the first three quarters of the show, here's how I want to start. Uh, In just a second, I want to talk about my tour of the center of opportunity here in our community and how that is piecing together my thoughts on how do we tackle homelessness at scale in our community. And then uh, a conversation I didn't get to debrief yet, I'm going to do it today was my conversation on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday, with Pima County Attorney Laura Conover. And we talked with Laura about why her office decided uh, to resume charging minor drug offenses again. And the, I think the real reason why, there was a reason, and then a real reason why, I think the real reason is important and I wanna emphasize it and share some thoughts on it as well, that and more this hour, 520-790-2040. But uh, for those of you who are just jumping in and maybe haven't been listening even off and on the last couple of weeks, you know that probably four to six weeks ago, maybe longer, I really started talking about the issue of homelessness in our community. And uh, this is an issue that many will blame on housing and that many people will blame on COVID. And certainly housing and COVID have at least a piece to do with the incredible spike in homelessness that we are seeing in greater Tucson. And if you live in greater Tucson, if you live in the city of Tucson, if you live in Pima County, your eyes are not lying to you. Pre-COVID, there was a 60% increase in unsheltered individuals there was an increase in people who are chronically homeless who do not have a roof over their head. COVID certainly exacerbated that. The housing market certainly exacerbated that, but these were issues. These were trends that got their start in the year before COVID. And we are seeing the impacts of them today. So I've been talking about this issue on the show, and then as many of you know from listening, Uh, Not only was this something I was looking at at a Tucson level, but in my own neighborhood. We've seen a tent city grow, uh, and uh, I've been able to see uh, what the process looks like intergovernmentally to tackle that issue in my neighborhood. And I found out that there's 260 encampments of various sizes estimated to be in the city of Tucson. So I've been talking about this issue because it's important. And I think it's going to be definitional uh, to the next 18 to 24 to 36 months in the city of Tucson. Uh, I'll get to the punchline in a minute, but I was talking to a friend yesterday and this was unprompted, unplanned. We were getting a coffee and this person who's pretty engaged in the community said, Zach, does it feel like to you that we have a window of time that is shrinking quickly to solve these challenges, whether it's housing, homelessness, economic opportunity. And I said, it's so funny you ask. That's why I call my show Tipping Point. <laughs> Not because it sounds good uh, per se, but because I believe, and I have believed, that we're in this three to five year window on some of these key issues where we either make the right decisions and go in the right direction, or we don't, and we don't. And it was interesting, because again, that was unprompted. This is a, a Tucson citizen in this case, lives in the city of Tucson and says, is it just my eyes or have these problems gotten worse? And does it seem that we are quickly losing our window to, at scale, solve these problems? And I said, your eyes are not lying to you. So uh, as part of my uh, research, and I had Lisa Chastain, the CEO of the Gospel Rescue Mission, on the show yesterday uh, she said, look, to have a, a good conversation on air, you got to come out and see the Center of Opportunity, uh, a a shelter-first, treatment-first, housing-earned community in Tucson that is run by the Gospel Rescue Mission. So I went out earlier this week before our interview yesterday, and I got a great tour. Thank you, Victor and Lisa, if you're listening, um, for that tour. And this is an amazing spot in our community, and they call it a one-stop shop, but truly, uh, I know that's kind of um, uh, people overuse that term, but truly this is a site uh, uh, that has not only various kinds of housing and addiction resources and services, but DES is there, El Rio Health is there, Pima Community College uh, is going to be there in order to be able to serve individuals where they are at, to not just band-aid the problems that cause homelessness, but to actually solve them. And here were some numbers that were interesting to me. There's 350 shelter beds available. Last year, they placed 500 people in jobs, 400 people in eventual permanent housing of their very own, and 200 individuals completed addiction recovery. And I put this on my social media, there are pro-human, pro-cities ways to tackle homelessness at scale if we make the right policy choices. And I think this is an alternative to what has become known as the housing first model, which is bipartisan, right? President Bush got behind it, President Obama scaled it up, but this is bipartisan. You You can't chop this up politically. Uh, housing First is, is, is an attempt in our cities to provide housing first to individuals who are struggling with homelessness. But it fails to realize in many cases that there are underlying causes, number one, of homelessness that are mental health and drug addiction related that have to be solved if we're not going to keep recycling the problem. And part two, which is why the 350 shelter beds are interesting to me, um, is that Housing First providing Uh, individual or one to two person rooms uh, around a housing first model uh, give someone a unit of their own and these problems will get solved not only doesn't go to the heart of the problem but it's not scalable I mean the city has spent six million dollars plus to buy three hotels for example that can only house maximum 175 people so this one shelter doubles what six million plus dollars was spent to do at scale. So, I mean, you can theorize about this. Uh, I, I don't want to. I, I'm trying to go to the places where I'm seeing the solutions. I'm seeing what is happening. I'm seeing what could be possible. In uh, this tour of the Center of Opportunity, uh, thank you, Humberto Lopez, and the HSL Family Foundation uh, for what you do philanthropically in this community. Uh, it, it is shows what is possible with the right policy choices. And homelessness is a policy choice. We either make policies that solve it or we cling dogmatically to things that don't solve it as well. And and I think homelessness is an issue where the window is shrinking and the scale of the solutions currently are not up to the scope of the problem. So I just wanted to report back on that. Uh, This was an incredible uh, tour a beautiful facility. By the way, that is when you enter it, you feel a dignified peace. I'm not trying to wax poetic. It is truly a dignified peace. This is not, you know, mass living that strips people of their dignity, as people often claim shelters do. This is a place where people's dignity is intact. People's whole person. Uh, people try to uh, to restore it and repair it, and it is a dignified, beautiful space. There are pro-human, pro-cities ways to tackle homelessness at scale if we make the right policy choices. So I wanted to report back on that. Just didn't have a chance to until today. Matt, let's go visit some sponsors on our way back. uh, I want to at least get into something that stood out to me from my interview with Laura Conover earlier this week, uh, the Pima County attorney. By the way, you can listen to all these interviews on kvy.com forward slash podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music. Some of my thoughts from these interviews that I haven't had a chance to share with you yet here today on this Friday show. Give me a call, 520-790-2040. Join the conversation. We'd love to talk with you as we close out the week. We'll be right back on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on 1030 The Voice. We're Tucson Station for local news and talk. 1030 The Voice. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com
2: Hey, you. If you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in Greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Tucson. Have you heard of local nonprofit Impact of Southern Arizona? Where we are more than just a food bank, with a clothing bank, youth, and senior programs, where we are moving people forward. Arizona Gives Day is coming up on April 5th and 6th, where you have the chance to support organizations like Impact. Learn more about Impact of Southern Arizona and our critical programs at www.impactsoaz.org.
0: And We're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. This morning, you're listening to Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenser, on 1030 The Voice. This is our Friday wrap-up show where we talk about the news stories, issues, ideas, people that we didn't get to talk about earlier in the week, and it's a live line conversation, 520-790-2040 is your opportunity to call in. Let's have a conversation. We started last uh, segment talking about my tour of the Center of Opportunity. A uh, shelter-first, treatment-first, housing-earned community that helps people uh, recover and re-engage in the community uh, from some of the major causes of homelessness. And the data is incredible, and I was excited to share my tour and why I think it's an important alternative to what I think are current policies on homelessness uh, that are just not up to the scope of the problem. Either good nor bad, they're just not up to the scope of the problem. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, and they've been serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Burger, And mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yencer for a 1515 percent discount off your next order. So a conversation that happened earlier, and you can listen back to it on uh, on the podcast. By the way, our, our podcast is blowing up. It's really fun to see. Uh, it has been growing steadily over the last number of months. So if you just got in your car and you hear me talking about a conversation we had earlier this week, do not fear. You can go and search for it on major podcast platforms Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, iTunes, or kvy.com forward slash podcast. You can catch all of our shows there. Uh, but I had a conversation with Laura Conover on Wednesday. She's the Pima County Attorney. And the topic of our conversation was why uh, she decided to resume filing charges in minor drug cases. There was a, a bit of a trial program to stop filing charges in minor drug cases, I believe, in December of last year. And the announced reason was for COVID-related reasons in the jail. We just didn't need these people in the jail. They weren't violent offenders. The more people we had packed in the jail, the more concerned that COVID would be. But on the back end of that, um, the county attorney looked at the data and said, we really aren't seeing a decline from this decision of people who are in the Pima County Jail from minor drug cases or otherwise, uh, we're going to resume. So that was kind of the top line reason on both ends, but I think the larger reason, we discussed this with Laura, the larger underlying reason was that uh, when Laura Conover was elected, she set up, her office set up, what they call a STEPS Court, Supportive Treatment and Engagement Program. When Pima County Attorney's Office stopped charging minor drug cases, there was little to no use of the steps court. And the steps court came to the county attorney and said, look, you, you stood us up, but you're not charging minor drug cases and you're not giving us anything to do. We're not just going to sit around. I'm being, a little, I'm being a little exaggerative, but this is basically how it went down. If we're not going to have work to do, we have no reason to exist. There has to either be a change in policy or put us in a box and tape it nicely. And the account attorney made the right choice for many reasons um, and said, look, we have this thing called Steps Court. It's a uh, diversion program that I'll talk about in a minute that has been developed around the country for many, many, many years. Let's get some data around it. Let's see if it works. To me, so, so, so substance abuse and drug abuse is on the rise in our community. The criminal justice system, to me, can be a valuable accountability layer to either deter or move people through a treatment process. And I came away from that conversation thinking, thinking that the steps court is something that deserves its day in court, no pun intended, as far as I can tell. Now, drug courts are something that have, been, have received uh, applause from both the right and the left. A a review of five independent analyses have concluded recently that drug courts significantly reduce crime by an average of 8 to 26 percentage points. There was a story early on uh, uh, in the creation of this back in the 90s. uh, Brooklyn's Damon Fusiamore expected the trial judge to sentence him to probation for selling crack. This time, though, the deal was different. Two to seven years in the jail, it was his fourth drug-related arrest, or else enter New York City's newest diversionary program for drug offenders, the drug court. After spending five unpleasant days in the Brooklyn house of detention, the 35-year-old addict, terrified at the prospect of doing real-time, leapt at the chance to avoid it. He took the drug court option. Over a year later, he's clean, neither selling nor using. Drug courts in the 90s became a weapon against drug-related crime, and the results so far look promising. And since that time, drug courts have been established or are being planned in all 50 states, now including Tucson. There are more than 2,500 of them throughout the United States. Approximately 47% of U.S. counties are served by drug courts. So I think this decision was the right decision for many reasons. But it also got me thinking that, uh, that, that there is, and there has to be in this thing we call a society, structures of accountability that either deter or move people through a recovery process. And I think we're seeing around the country, law enforcement and criminal justice move away From the understanding that order creates freedom for everybody, that systems of accountability that done well, and there's many ways to not do it well, but done well, the criminal justice system can be an important layer of accountability that says, we all signed to this social contract of this society. When you break that social contract, there are consequences. This is not about the individual. This is about the community together at large. And there are different means of accountability, but we're actually going to solve this problem. We're going to take you off the streets in some way or another. And you either fix the problem and work with us to fix the problem, or you leave society in what we call the jail. So I am happy that the Pima County Attorney's Office has not only stood up this court, but is going to support it and is going to activate it by resuming filing charges in minor drug cases. We cannot lose sight of the value of the criminal justice system when it is done well for the right reasons i might talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break i know we're up against a break but this came to mind when i had that conversation with the pima county attorney i'm happy about this decision we'll come right back after bottom of the hour commercials one more segment with me and you 520-790-2040 and then akil hamid will come on we'll talk about the sustainable strength system and my progress, as I promised to do. We'll be right back. Tipping Point with Zach Gins to return in just a minute. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art, is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition. And his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest, Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. org to get your tickets now. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting
1: started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
3: When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA.
1: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: Arizona, Arizona. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Zach Yance. You're listening to Tipping Point live here on AM 1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation and talk about the people, ideas and issues shaping Tucson's future. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened last fall, and they're doing really well, I'm pleased to report. Little Love Burger is serving up the juiciest burgers. Look hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a one five percent discount off your next order. And I do want to remind listeners that as they grow and expand their business, the hours sometimes do shift, so I would – um, I'm going to update uh, some of this here so you know what the hours are. Uh, but always check them out on social media at the Love Burger. Make sure before you head down there, a few doors down from the Rialto, that you have the most up-to-date hours uh, as they grow their business. And they are growing. It's so fun uh, to watch them grow, and they deserve it. Some really good people um, down there. In just a few moments, short segment here, we're going to go visit with Akil Hamid. Uh, And talk about how his sustainable strength system has helped me achieve my fitness goals over the last uh, 90 days. And no, this isn't, uh, you know, a commercial in the most commercial sense. I'm not genetically, you know, fit. Uh, I have always struggled to stay fit and to stay healthy and to diet. Uh, This is not easy for me, but I wanted to update you on my progress, and it has been good progress. So that's how we'll close the show. And I talked about in the first segment. Uh, about my tour of the center of opportunity. Uh, in the second segment talked about my thoughts on Pima County Attorney Conover's decision to resume uh, filing charges on minor drug offenses and why I think the real reason it was resumed uh, is a good reason and and why I think we need to continue to support institutions in our community that provide accountability for transformation. And I just want to end uh, on this no, my my solo part of um, of today's show. Um, that there is there are movements um, in uh, urban environments today. You know whether it is on homelessness, whether it is uh, in, in areas of um, of of activism and, and and social justice, whether whatever it may be, there is a movement. I think towards a centering of the individual, uh, a sanctity of the individual. And it's kind of ironic, I think, and I'm, 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 I'm riffing a little bit um, on the air. That I think in an urban environment, the political philosophies get scrambled. I think if you look at things at a national level, if you look at party platforms, one would say, well, you know, uh, left of center, whether you are moderate or progressive, uh, kind of more democratic, liberal uh, views, look to uh, study the system and the community and understand that aspect of things. And the conservative perspective lifts up the individual. I actually think in an ironic way, a paradoxical way, that the city environment, that when you get down to the to the city and metro level, those political viewpoints get scrambled. I think it is actually becoming uh, certainly in 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 metro environments that that just lean left. That's not a political statement. We know that to be true. Rural environments are conservative. Urban environments are a, a bit more uh, democratic and liberal oriented. Those are just the numbers. there's There's no hot takes here. There's no stone throwing here. It just it's the data. At, a, at an urban metro level, we have actually begun to center individual experiences, again, whether it's around homelessness or whatever the case may be, in a way that overrides the sanctity of community and public space, which I think is really ironic in a way. And I think we have to restore that. Again, whether it's around drug abuse or homelessness topics we've talked about, Uh, in this show, we have to restore accountability for transformation. We have to restore, I think, accountability to the community in a way that is pro-human, pro-cities. And we have let problems in our metro areas around this country spin out of control because we have failed on areas of accountability. And we have lifted up the individual as a victim and said, It is okay. It is okay to be on the street. It is okay to struggle with mental health. It is okay to be abusing drugs. It is okay. And so many times these decisions wind their way from good people with good hearts wanting to make good decisions and it eventually ends in a place where neither the individual or the community benefits. There is a pro-cities, pro-human policy that we can use on some of our worst challenges that brings accountability to bear and, and, and says to those who are struggling in our community, we are not going to let you stay in this place, but we are going to provide you the hands needed to tr- transform your life so you and this community can be the best it can be. We've left that in our urban environment. And I certainly think we're leaving that uh, in this community. And so that is my, uh, that is my thought um, out, of, um, out of love here for community and for the right reason. A question from a listener, and then we'll go to a break. Uh, what should we do with homeless individuals who refuse help for whatever reason, and how do you respect uh, their rights to do so? It's a great question, and, and I don't know if I have the silver bullet answer. That's a difficult one. You know, from my non-expert just explorations of this issue, there are certainly individuals who will welcome a roof of any kind and support and help and will voluntarily participate. And then there are individuals who actually want to be unhoused. I don't think we talk about that enough. Uh, and that is difficult. I, I, am, I am still in research mode. I, I'm thinking about the Copenhagen model where actually there are community individuals who walk the streets and say, look, these are public spaces. You can sleep here tonight, but I'm, I'm going to come back tomorrow. You're not allowed to sleep here. I will tell you where to go. Here's the nearest shelter. We're going to provide a roof over your head and the wraparound services that you need. But as a community, we've decided that you need to uh, be here tomorrow night. Which sounds like a very... Uh, firm-handed approach for uh, these European countries, (laughs) right? Uh, But there are communities that have found humanitarian ways to protect the sanctity of public space and to help those who are most vulnerable in the community. And I think we need to be a little bit more firm on this situation. I had a friend say, you know, how do you, and this listener as well, how do you uh, how do you protect individual rights? I, I, what I'm saying today, I don't know if I have the full answer, but we need to have a community conversation that better balances individual rights with the community social contract that we all sign together. And you know what that social contract is? It's called being a taxpayer. Someone who says that we pay into a system that protects the sanctity of public space and community space in this community. So, so, to our listener that asks this, I, I don't, I don't know if I have the answer, but I'm asking the question, and I'm asking the question that we don't ask enough in our urban and metro environments. But I think there's a way that you can do it that respects individuals' rights. But I think we need to have the conversation first. I don't know if that was helpful, but you're hearing on this show my thoughts as they grow and develop, and I bring the experts in to have the conversation because I don't have all the answers. Uh, And as my dad would say, if you think you have all the answers, it's because you haven't asked all the right questions yet. So I rarely have all the right answers. (laughs) We'll be right back after a short break. When we come back, Akhil Hamid will join us. We'll talk about his sustainable strength system and what it's doing for me and what I think it can do for you as well if you're looking to get your health and fitness back up to where you want it to be. It's our last break of the hour here, this Friday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. We'll be right back.
1: Local news and talk all day, every day. 10:30, The Voice.
2: Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team.
0: Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey, guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I was hanging on to 30 pounds myself, that I didn't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. And it's working. I'm losing the weight. If you're ready for a three-month journey to better health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. In 2021, FC
1: Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February.
2: This is Bill Buckmaster. Coming up at noon, Leah Marquez-Peterson, chair of the Arizona Corporation
3: Commission on 1030, Tucson's voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all the southern Arizona. Happy Friday to you. Thanks for helping us make it through another week talking about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future full show that we've had already. Check it out on the podcast. We got to move on because Akil Hamid is on the line uh, to talk with us about the Sustainable Strength System, a 90-day uh, journey that I have been on, and it's been hard and fun, and it's worked, and I promise you a monthly update where I would be open and uh, vulnerable about how it's going. That's our conversation the rest of the way. Akhil, happy Friday to you. Welcome aboard.
3: Happy Friday to you, Zach. How are you doing?
0: Good, good. So before we get to me, uh, this is, I think, your third time on the air with us, but remind our listeners what the Sustainable Strength System is and kind of the unique program that you've put together for really anybody, but especially um, men uh, over the age of... 30, and I can vouch for the fact that my body after 30 is different from my body before 30. So tell us a little bit more about what you've put together with the Sustainable Strength System.
3: Right. Yeah. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, the Sustainable Strength System was just something that I put together um, more so because a lot of people were always asking me about, you know, what is it that you do in order to stay in shape? And, you know, how is it that you've been able to maintain your, you know, your physique for such a long period of time? And so it just made sense, um, you know, because I am a male over the age of 30. And so, you know, with things changing with, with the pandemic and, you know, I've been doing quite a bit of traveling and working in the health and wellness space um, kind of globally. And I, and I was getting clients who still wanted to work with me after the time that I left. So I wanted to build out this virtual format uh, that allows me to still connect with people all over the world.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, that's how I got involved uh, with you as well as someone that I met in Tucson and uh, respect your work in many different ways in the health and fitness community here uh, here in Tucson. But I would I would say that so far it's been divided uh, in a couple of phases. I mean, one is to get the diet right, and then there's kind of a get in the groove portion, which is about five or six weeks, and then there's been a kind of a fat burning stretch that I've been in for the last four or five weeks. Uh, is that kind of the basic structure, is get the diet right, which is super important, get in the groove, uh, and then start working on kind of the lean, fat burning component. Was that just for me, Akhil, or was is that kind of the, the model that you've put together?
3: Right. So there, there's a couple of different, uh, modules or meso cycles that you can go through. You know, typically there's the foundational and, and th- it just depends because different people come in with different experience and, and fitness levels. So if you're someone who has absolutely no experience, then you'd really start with a very, very, very basic foundational, um, <clears throat> program. However, you know, if you had a bit more experience or perhaps maybe you were an athlete in the past and you just haven't been working out regularly, Then your starting uh, your start starting cycle would be a little bit different. But yes, for you, we had like a foundational cycle. Um, Then you know we kind of went into this fat uh, fat burning and conditioning, and then of course, right, like the diet is a huge part of that because you know if you're just working out and you don't have a good solid diet, then you're not going to get those results.
0: Right, for sure. And I think that's something that I didn't realize. You know, because I've been active, I've you know been able to run nine miles at one point in time there was a stretch of my life where i was in the gym probably almost daily um but i don't know if the diet was ever um was ever a piece of it uh uh, before we get to me akil what are some of the most common uh concerns or fears that people come to you with or they'll say look i want to look like you um, which is kind of what I said, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what it's going to take to get there, and am I ready? What are some of the concerns you hear um, I think, when people think about, you know, bringing on a trainer to really hone in? I think
3: some of the biggest. Uh things that I hear is that they say, well, you know, I think I'm going to work out a little bit on my own to get prepared to do my program. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people are like, I, I just need some time to try to get right in order to, to start working out. And and, you, and, and I, you're like, well,
0: if you if you, if, the, if you you were going to do that, you'd have already done that and you wouldn't need me, right?
3: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that's probably one of the most common ones. You know, a lot of people, I mean, we're, we're creatures, creatures of habit. And I think that everyone knows that to get into shape, it's going to require sacrifice, you know, and it's going to be hard work. And so a lot of people, they just, you know, they, they shy away from really wanting to put in that, that hard work. Or, you know, they're like, I just can I cannot go without meat or I cannot go without, you know, whatever, the sugar or whatever it is that they really may need to give up in order to get those results. So those are probably most of the common. And then, of course, time, you know, because, um, you know, obviously you can spend a lot of time in the gym, uh, to get results, but it doesn't have. You don't have to go in and spend two hours a day in the gym in order to get results. You know, if you work efficiently and concisely, um, you can still get those results. So, those are probably three of the the main um, issues that I hear when people uh, say that they're interested in getting in shape.
0: For sure, yeah. And I'll just say for me, the gym was very intimidating at first because I just hadn't been in in many years. And it feels like everybody there kind of knows what they're doing. And the first couple of days, I just kind of wandered around. I think people could tell I was new. Because <laughs> I was like, so what am I supposed to do? And where is it all? And you just see this dude wandering around trying to find all the equipment. So that was me. <laughs> um, but, you know, after a while, that, that figures itself out. And uh, I say all that to say is you know this was intimidating at first, but it was something I knew that I needed to do. And I have so much to go, but I think our initial goal at was to lose for me to lose 15 pounds, and right. um, I have lost 13 so far. And April 11th is my is my deadline, so I'm pretty confident on the weight side I'm going to lose what the goal was. I think, right, at
3: that's right, and I I thought that we could probably do more, but I didn't want to be too advantageous. But um, but yeah, with with the amount of work that you've done, I know you've you know you've been in the gym, you've made adjustments to your diet, and I mean you're a uh, active, extremely busy man. You know you've you've got a family, you're extremely active in the community, and doing a lot of things. So I'm I'm really proud of the work that you've done, and you know really just taking this on and and inputting it into your already really busy schedule. So I'm happy to see that you've gotten the results that you were looking for.
0: Yeah, no, I'm happy to to get those 15 pounds off and I feel differently. And then just physically, you know, I'm not looking to body build, but I do want to be kind of, kind of have some lean muscles. What I asked in, in our first interview, you and I had a zoom chat and said, what do you um, want out of this? Excuse me. And I said, um, I wanted, you know, uh, to grow some lean, lean muscle mass, which uh, which I have. Um, I think the only thing that I probably haven't done as well, um, as Ben, you set out, and I think this is valuable, and so why I want people to know about it, you basically said, look, here is your calorie limit, and here is the diet that I want you on, but I also want you to be thinking about what they call macros, which is, you know, how much of fat, how much of carbs, how much of this, how much of that, uh, and probably... You know, even when I step away from the ninety-day program when it's over, that's probably my next level of growth is to really fine tune the diet. I've been sticking to the diet and I've been sticking to the calories, but I really haven't been following the macros maybe as much. And I can imagine if I did, I'd probably even get past that fifteen-pound uh, um, that fifteen-pound um, limit. So again, like you break all this down for people and you make it so easy, and it's hard without an accountability partner. So I appreciate. I appreciate all you've done Akil.
3: Right and I appreciate you taking on the challenge and and trusting me with with you know with your health and yeah the macros it it can be super challenging um, for a variety of reasons because of the convenience because of the foods that are already out here that are convenient um, aren't always necessarily the healthiest and then if you're not used to tracking, you know, how much protein or fat that you're taking, again, if you've already built in a lot of these habits, it's, it's a really difficult thing to to adjust. But, you know, we do have the different kinds of applications and, and ways that you can track those. And, yes, you know, I think some of them, sometimes it's counterintuitive, um, you know, to say, well, if, if I eat more of this protein, you know, I'm going to lose more weight or I'm going to gain more muscle mass. And it, it, it may not... Be, it's difficult sometimes for people to understand, but, you know, when you actually do it and you commit to the process, uh, you do get those results.
0: I love it. I love it. And just for our listeners, if, you, if you're jumping in, you know, our goal for Akhil and I to have this conversation is to share with you that this is not something I'm predisposed to be good at. You know, I've got some, like, family genetic stuff that makes this really hard. Um, and you don't have to be an expert or be you know good at this uh, before you know jumping in with uh, with Akil. Akil, if somebody is listening and wants to uh, talk with you offline about what they specifically need and and how it works, are you accepting new clients right now? Can people onboard with you at any time, or how does that work?
3: Right, well, people can onboard pretty much at any time. You know, I, I am planning on starting another cohort of people um, this first week of April. Mm-hmm. And so if, if they're interested they can go to sustainable strength and just look at you know all the details of the program and fill out the application and I will get back with them.
0: Yeah and from there it's a really helpful kind of interview conversation, you know, once things all get started with Akeel figure out what exactly you need. Akeel shapes up a system. It's all app based all the trackers are provided. The entire program—it's—it's uh, it's really helpful. What what has been a, a fun before that you go, Kiel, What has been a really fun success story of someone that that you've worked with who has really had some great um, kind of some great transformation even after they finished your ninety day program? What's a what's another success story that you're proud of? Oh, that's
3: a re- that's a really good question. You know, the the ninety day transformation program is something that's uh, more digestible for people to understand. But I've been working with a lot of people through the years and I would say, you know, I think more than anything, it's not necessarily like someone saying, Oh, you know what? I lost 20 pounds, but people taking ownership of their health, um, realizing that making those healthy choices really will make a difference. Um, And then just like the confidence level, And just becoming more engaged in the process you know i've I've had plenty of people through the years who have just been you know either they've been really frightened about working out or it's entirely miserable for them but then after working with me you know for a shorter or longer period of time they they really start to kind of embrace it and enjoy it so i think that's probably what i'm most proud of um in -hmm. terms of like how the, the experiences that i've had working with people in the fitness space
0: that's so cool if you're listening, you know, again, and and a 90-day stretch to kind of get everything reset and to get your body back to where you want it and to feel better as well, uh, you know, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. I'll plug it one more time. Let Akil know you're interested. And uh, uh, Akil, you are a miracle worker. You've been uh, uh, great, and I've really benefited. So thanks for all you do. And you and I aren't done yet, but this will be uh, your last time for now on the show. So thank you for the journey and uh i'll see you around soon all right thanks
3: so much talk to you thanks
0: thanks akil have a great weekend and have a great weekend to you out there tucson that does it for us you it's up next but Buckmaster at noon we'll be back for our monday morning news hour on monday enjoy that sun and more sun out there tucson take care